everyone, and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions on film and television. My name is Sam Chung, and it is with, I, I guess, a heavy heart that we say goodbye to all these characters and actors that we've gotten to know in season four, but also, you know, a very hopeful uh, eye towards the future season because today we'll be talking about the season four finale of the crown entitled war uh so we say goodbye here to uh jillian anderson wait did we say gillian or jillian now i'm forgetting uh jillian right jillian anderson uh as margaret thatcher olivia coleman tobias menzies all these characters we're going to say goodbye to today uh but before we do that please allow me to introduce our two or my two co-hosts first uh, a man who'll be working in some cricket metaphors throughout this podcast. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, what say you of all these sticky wickets that we saw in this episode? I actually think it's pronounced Hillian Anderson. <laughs> Apologies. I didn't realize that was a third option on the table. <laughs> um, also back with us today, a woman who is out for one of those 24 orders of merit. It's Carlin Greenwald. Um, Carlin... Can you clarify, is this 24 orders of merit per year or like over the entire course of her reign? I had thought she meant she'd given out 24 so far. It's like you get to join one of 24 people. But if it's there's only 24 in her whole (laughs) lifetime, how many has she given out? What she gave one to Margaret Thatcher? Yeah, I don't know. I was a little bit I like I have no I, I don't know anything about the order of merit. Um, I don't even know anything really about the order of merit here. Um, Wait, there's one here. Oh, here, here. I was like, in America, who's giving that out? <laughs> I, I need to, I don't need to know anything about the order of merit to know that the one that Thatcher res, what, received was a pity merit. Do you think her getting an order of merit devalues like <laughs> the, like the award? Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. It's like, if, if I saw her get one and then I was offered one, like, I'd be like, ugh, that's not really a club I want to be a part of anymore. <laughs> You'd be like, what's better than that? Because give me that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um, well, before we kick off, first, this uh, was another episode that did have um, a disclaimer at the top that uh, this episode did have scenes that involved an eating disorder, which viewers may find troubling. So we will, I don't think we'll dwell on that, but we will touch upon that as well, I think, on the podcast. Um, information and resources for those struggling with eating disorders are available at www.wanttalkaboutit.com. And we also like to say that we're by no means kind of like royal family experts. We, we, we are not historians. So if you came here for any sort of factual clarity, uh, you've come to the wrong place. And clearly, if you're coming to the crown, you know, we like to say that we're going to treat it as, as a uh, as fact, but now we know that season five is going to have a fictional dramatization disclaimer at the top of the episode. Really? Yes. Wait, you- I I haven't heard this. That they, they they had to like put out like some kind of release. Yes. Stating this such? was this was news in the past. Well, I guess it will have been two weeks. Uh, Dame Judi Dench was upset. She said that the 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 way that they are portraying the the events that unfold in the crown the closer we get to modern day are are very sensationalized and obviously you know fictional dramatizations this is not true to life and then netflix responded by actually putting that card apparently for season five at the top of the episodes that yes this is in fact a fictional dramatization wait they didn't just tweet back at her saying no shit judy Not that I'm aware of. Well, now I'm going to take everything as total fact then. They're clearly <laughs> hiding something. I will say, though, I think, and this is my hot take, perhaps. You can tell me if it's a hot take or not. You can be my litmus test. I thought that this episode was perhaps the most, like, I watched it and I was like, this is a fictional dramatization of any episode that we've seen so far. I would say... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good well, there's just a lot. We don't know what happens inside those castles. We don't know, but that's why it's so like, yeah. like the, I don't know, like a lot of the, the things that we know happens, but we don't know how they happened. Like the breakups between, you know, Charles and Diana, it just felt like a play, you know? Yeah. The, the, this episode was particularly high on like uh, private conversations and encounters that probably can't be verified by any other witnesses. Yeah. 
So we'll, we'll get into it all. Um, but before we do that, Ivan, could you please give us a recap of our season four finale, War? Okay, so uh, the episode opens with uh, Thatcher's uh, premiership uh, on its last legs. Basically, her party has forsaken her. Her, dep- uh, her deputy PM, uh, Jeffrey Howe, uh, is tendering his resignation and doing so with uh, a big uh, speech, basically decrying uh, uh, Thatcher's leadership and uh, it, her inability to have united the party and, and kept the country afloat, uh, basically saying, hey, the our party's in shambles. Uh, this lady needs to go, uh, much to uh, Thatcher's dismay, who then turns to the queen uh, and pleads with her to exercise her royal powers and dissolve the parliament before Thatcher's party can get rid of her. Uh, to which Elizabeth basically responds with, hell no, I'm not doing that. Like, why would I do that? I'm, that's not going to happen. Um, and so uh, Thatcher uh, is essentially out, uh, but uh, on her last day or, or, or sometime uh, in, in the wake of her um, uh, leaving the office. Uh, she is invited back to uh, Buckingham Palace one last time uh, for Elizabeth to award her with the Order of Merit which she gives to, I guess, 24 exceptional individuals. Um, and uh, we'll get into the reasons why this uh, award was given to Thatcher. But uh, again, pity merit. Uh Meanwhile, uh, the saga of uh, Charles and Diana continues to unravel um, following the events of the last episode. He is pretty intent on separating with her, but can't really seem to uh, move the conversation in that direction uh, with his mother. In the meantime, Diana is making a solo trip to New York City uh, on official royal business. Uh, so she does the, the rounds, charms the uh, crowd, and has her you know popularity continue to soar to uh, even greater greater heights, much to Charles's dismay and also to the dismay of um, Camilla, uh, who kind of gives Charles a sobering uh, realization that uh, part of the reason that they can never be together is that uh, it would uh, essentially create a victim out of Diana and would uh, kind of... basically paint Camilla in a very villainous light uh, and, you know, she herself uh, is very forthcoming about the fact that, you know, if in terms of uh, her presentation and, uh, uh, you know, reputation and image with the world, uh, she's just never going to be able to compete with Diana, especially if she is seen as the reason that the, 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 the marriage has failed. Uh, of course, this uh, sends Charles into an even greater spiral um, after uh, Diana returns from her trip. They have a confrontation where he essentially kind of uh, blows up at her, makes it very clear that he loves Camilla and uh, really does not like Diana. And doesn't, is, doesn't say those exact words, but says basically everything but. Um, and, uh, you know, makes it clear that... Uh, yeah, basically, his life is a living hell. And, uh, you know, he doesn't care for it. And, uh, you know, he knows Diana is unhappy, but he has no sympathy for her, uh, given his own so called predicament. So then it is uh, Christmas at Balmoral, which uh, we have already seen uh, in some form in the film Spencer. Uh, I don't think this is the exact same occasion, but we kind of get very similar vibe. Uh, Diana arrives um, uh, at Balmoral, or, or is it, wait, is it? Sandringham or Balmoral? Isn't it Help me Sandringham? Out here. I think it was Sandringham. Yeah. Sandringham, yeah. So uh, Christmas at Sandringham. Diana gets there and, uh, you know, she's all, uh, immediately upon arrival, very removed from the rest of the family, not really keen to take part in any of the gatherings and photo ops uh, until uh, Philip uh, comes to her room and kind of attempts to have a heart-to-heart with her and, uh, you know, remind her that... Uh, you know, as outsiders, both him and her and, and really everybody else in the family, they are all just accessories to Elizabeth and Elizabeth is what it's all about. And they all have to learn to make peace with that sooner or later. Uh, and Diana kind of makes it clear that she is not prepared to kind of submit uh, and resign to that reality. Uh, so we end on a very somber note, uh, a scene of the uh, family taking a big uh, Christmas photo um, as as Diana kind of looks on with a hundred yard stare and ponders uh, what her future will entail. That is the end of season four. 
Yes. Um, how many seasons now have ended with some sort of like group photo? I, I think that's a theme. Like they're purposely <laughs> doing that. Do they always end in a group photo? Yeah. <laughs> it's like group photo. I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I was a little bit disappointed by this finale. I don't know that it did it for me. Um, what, do you, what do you think? A lot happened, but not a lot happened. It, a lot happened. And we didn't get to say goodbye to a lot of our, like, obviously they were all there at Christmas, but like for all intents and purposes, Margaret wasn't in this episode Queen Mother wasn't, like, new Queen Mother wasn't here? Well, no, the Queen Mother, Margaret, and Anne were all in this episode, and none of them had lines. Yes. Uh, It felt like a weird way to say goodbye to a lot of these characters. Obviously, you know, I think uh, Elizabeth and Philip and uh, Charles and Diana got their big, you know, kind of, uh, this is my last hurrah moments. But aside from them, it was kind of, I, I felt like I wanted to say goodbye more. Well, the reality is, and I'm going to, you know, borrow from uh, Charles's vocabulary here, but a lot of those characters are now uh, fringe members of the royal family. (laughs) Yep. That's what they were going for there. Okay. But as far as what we did get, we do get to say goodbye here to Margaret Thatcher. Hilarious speech uh, from who I guess is just a member of her cabinet, Jeffrey Howe. Jeffrey Howe. I don't know that I, I can remember kind of like a similar within the party indictment here, maybe like Liz Cheney, but like even to that degree, it's like, I don't think I've seen anything like this. We don't do this. Yeah. We really should. <laughs> well, the other uh, uh, funny thing is that, you know, when we started this podcast, we kind of approached it from this humble perspective of, we don't know much about the British royal family. We don't know much about, uh, you know, uh, parliamentary politics or really how this entire house is glued together. Um, and over the course of 40 hours, we have learned quite a bit. Um, but it's only here in this 40th <laughs> hour that we learned that there is a such thing as a deputy prime minister. <laughs> I would say... Yeah, I mean, you got to count the other content too. We're we've we've got to be up around like sixty-ish hours. <laughs> Did we not know about yeah. the deputy prime minister? Well, can you name one deputy prime minister? Well, who was well, um was actually Anthony was An- Eaton I guess when... Anthony Eden was yeah. I thought Anthony Eden was the uh, like foreign affairs secretary before he became PM. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't thought know. he was a vice, not vice president. Deputy Prime Minister. Speaking of presidents, how how jarring was it to get a President Bush mentioned? Oh in my this god, episode? we got like no Reagan mentions, and then we just yeah. went right to Bush. And I guess does that make it the nineties now? When did Bush get in office? Was he in the eighties? Well, I actually he would know. have entered office eighty nine. Oh, okay, well then, fine. That I mean, yeah, up. they were talking about the Gulf War, which was like a big part of the Bush. It's presidency. just weird. We were yeah. like, oh, I guess we'll just mention events that are just going to pop up and never be heard from again. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, but but Jeffrey Howe is basically like, uh, he feels like those of them close to Thatcher are opening batsmen who've been sent to the crease, but their bats have been broken by the team captain. Uh, Also, (laughs) I was shocked that the guy at the beginning is like, let's remember now, during a resignation speech, everybody, no interrupting, (laughs) everybody (laughs) behave. During the resignation speech, I was like, wow, that's <laughs> that's so, like, faux-civilized. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it honestly feels like, like if that had been a group chat, like, at least one of those guys would have, like, uh, sent that gif of that guy <laughs> popping open the lawn chair and sitting down ready to see a spectacle. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. We didn't really get a, a lot in terms of like the immediate lead up to this. I think obviously we've seen kind of like moments of, of Thatcherism as it is now known or as it became known. But like in terms of like what specifically happened to make her party turn on her like this, it seems like it was kind of just like an accumulation of a long time. I don't know that there was like one trigger per se that really made everybody turn on her. Yeah. Or if they didn't tell us, they should have told us. <laughs> So, so it's interesting because this episode covered, or sorry, this season covered uh, basically the entire span of the 1980s. I think uh, Thatcher took office in 79, I want to say, and then uh, left in, I guess, 1990. Uh, but 
I specifically like recall, I think a few episodes ago, we kind of made note of the fact that we had gone, you know, maybe three fourths into the season and it, it was still the mid 80s. It was still like 86. And then the last couple have now covered uh, the end of the decade. And it feels like Margaret Thatcher's like status as leader has been in turmoil since the the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. So like there have been there's been at least half a decade where she has been shitting the bed and that's just been like the norm and nobody has done anything about it until years and years later. Yeah. Like I, I I do wonder like what was the straw that broke the camel's back? Because it feels like so many times we've gotten the narrative that like, Oh, she's not as conservative as they want her to be. I wonder because in the early part of the season, she basically did away with her entire cabinet, which was, you know, a bunch of uh, uh, establishment party members that had been around for a while and, uh, you know, had enough clout to challenge her. So she did away with them and then uh, brought on, I think, what were like called out to be like a bunch of uh, much younger men who were still like greener in their careers, probably did not have as much power and influence to challenge her. but I assume they accumulated some over the course of that past decade. And we're now in a position where, you know, they had enough um, uh, influence and and kind of weight to throw around that they could uh, push her out uh, to advance their own careers. So Thatcher is essentially kicked out, but she's not going to go out without a fight. She's going to, or I guess first there's like a referendum, like kind of a vote, right? Is this like a vote of no confidence, essentially? Yeah, I guess so. I don't think we actually see that part, do we? Like, we, we just see Jeffrey Howe uh, tendering his resignation, which I guess is, like, a pretty big deal for somebody to do and kind of a come-to-Jesus moment. And so uh, following that, it's, it, it, like, I think they, they, they were doing, like, preliminary votes to kind of, like, put it on the ballot to okay. uh, do the vote of no confidence. And I think it was a, a matter of... Thatcher stepping down before that final vote could even be conducted, basically just saving everyone the trouble. Yeah, but um, first she's going to call in everybody who voted no one by one (laughs) (laughs) and uh, ask them to their face, uh, will you support me? And (laughs) they're basically like, yeah, I mean, I support you as a person, but... The numbers say otherwise, so who am I to argue? (laughs) Gotta love politics. Yeah, oh my God. Oh my God, Dennis was hilarious here. He calls them uh, bastards and murderers. (laughs) 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 That really escalated quickly, Dennis. But yeah, then we see Thatcher try to go for the power grab. I don't know that we've seen this from uh, prime ministers in the past. Normally, they're kind of resigning in disgrace. (laughs) (laughs) How times have changed. I know. <laughs> what a what a weird shift it is to have someone be like, I will not leave. This is this is a far cry from Anthony Eden going to Jamaica on a doctor's note. <laughs> and Liz is like, Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. You probably you probably shouldn't unilaterally dismiss all of your cabinet members, which I agree. <laughs> this is like her third attempt to just get rid of the government. <laughs> She's like, You don't agree with me? You're out. I think that is something that we can this this uh, this move is something we can relate to here in the United States. I don't know. Should we just close out on Thatcher? Should we talk about this order? Have we talked about the order of merit enough? <laughs> like, well, well, hold on. Uh, the, the one thing that we want to kind of uh, press upon here is the fact that Elizabeth, like, what was Elizabeth's reason for giving this award to Thatcher? Because it it really just kind of felt like it was done out of pity. It it felt like white feminism to me, where it's like. Yay, like, girl in power. You stayed in power and you dealt with the sexist men. Congrats. Mm-hmm. That's that kind of That's kind of how I, f- that what I figured. It's like, you did a really shitty job, but hey, it was still momentous that you had this position. So here you go. Yeah. And it sucked because, like, to me, the emotional pathos was there just because, like, Olivia Coleman and Jillian Anderson are su- such good actors. Hillian. I'm sorry, Hillian <laughs> Anderson. <laughs> and. So it was like in the moment, I'm like, oh, like this is sweet. And then like you think about it for like two seconds and you're like, wait a minute, what are you doing? I don't know. It didn't feel earned to me. Like these are two women who we've seen just like not get along. Ivan, to your point, they had that whole back and forth with the one word at the conference. (laughs) 
Yeah, like, the signals. What, like what happened to Elizabeth just straight up hating Margaret's guts? I think once someone is actually out of like, you know, it's like when you have a roommate and you're trying to get them out of the house and like once they're out of the house, then you're like, oh, I can see you as a person again. That's what it Are you felt speaking like. from personal experience, Carlin? I, sure. <laughs> but also in general, like that's the vibe I got. And I don't know what actually happens with like the legacy of Thatcher. But like, you know, it's like when someone dies, you have to be nice to them or like supposedly you're supposed to be nice to them. Yeah. I mean, I have to believe it was that last meeting where Margaret Thatcher cries in the meeting. <laughs> you know, you, you see a woman like that cry and you get really uncomfortable and you try to just just be like, they're there. Yeah. Here's an order of merit. <laughs> Couldn't she have just gotten her, like, uh, I don't know, a gift card to uh, pray a mange or something? Who was the person who got a cake? Didn't someone get a cake? Wasn't someone's birthday, though? Dickie got a cake. Oh, yeah, it was Dickie. When they kicked him out, they gave him a cake. <laughs> That's right. I did, though, appreciate that we got one last Margaret Thatcher bow. So <laughs> awkward. <laughs> On the way out. Uh, what a great performance. <laughs> one, one thing... One thing that 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 made me wonder, um, and I'm not saying that like uh, Thatcher herself is like one of the the most exceptionally elderly characters we've seen on the show, but like at what point is it excusable for someone to be just so old and their knees so weak that they don't need to do that bow? Uh, did you have a doctor's note? Like, <laughs> yeah, you got to get a doctor's <laughs> note, <laughs> or you got to be just like wheeled in like Winston Churchill at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, what didn't um, didn't uh, uh, Edward in his final episode like make a pretty big deal about like continuing on with all of like the you know the the quorum and the bowing and like in the the presence of Elizabeth when she came to visit? Uh, yeah, I think so. And, and even Elizabeth changing. was like, "Dude, don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay." <laughs> all right, so let's pivot to Charles. Um, at the end of the previous episode. We saw Charles get the news that Diana was carrying on with Major Hewitt. But honestly, that didn't really lead to any kind of like big scene right away here. We kind of walk in on them just kind of like starting to talk about this. And Liz is like, oh, that's not a big deal. Underrated moment of the episode was uh, Philip kind of scaring that vacuuming lady. <laughs> I thought that entire sequence was great and then him walking in Charles being like this is an important conversation and Philip just being like I don't care he's right on the TV I love that and it was like an extremely humanizing moment for Philip because like you know he he addressed that cleaning lady with uh, you know like not like any sense of disrespect he was like it wasn't just like oh where's Elizabeth you know he he was like oh excuse me do you, uh, do you happen to know and there was something about that interaction that I found very charming that's what I said. Underrated moment. Um, I thought I thought for the most part, Philip had a great final showing here in season four, right up until yes. the end. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Ooh, what a I, turn. <laughs> I mean, like the actual acting was like fantastic. Oh, the but, acting like, was yeah, great. No, no. It, like you're kind of like, oh, he's coming. Like, you know, it's that. I was he'll, like, he'll yeah, he's, he has like warm grandpa energy. And, and then, then it was it just, like, oh, it just freezes over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where was that in Spencer? <laughs> Like he himself created the the frozen tundra that Diana referred to. Oh my god, it's like absurd. What he does. <laughs> Those two, Elizabeth and Philip, like it's probably their fault. Like a little bit, this happened. They just could not handle this situation in oh, any yeah. like way with any tact. It's oh my god, when Diana is like, no one hugs in your family, and Charles is like, I only hug one person. <laughs> I know he doesn't even dispute Basically. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's well, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let let's yeah. actually uh, unpack that a little bit because yeah. uh, in the beginning of the episode, they uh, visit uh, William at his boarding school where he's uh, uh, you know doing like what some kind of like rugby match or something, and they're mm -hmm. cheering him and his friends on. Oh, excuse uh, me. Only Diana was cheering him on. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, Carlin. Yes, Diana was cheering him on while Charles was you know. <laughs> thinking about his, you know, crypto per portfolio or something. And uh, <laughs> afterward, they're saying goodbye to uh, William and, um, uh, you know, she hugs him, kisses him, whatever. And he just sort of gives him like a little pat on the shoulder and doesn't doesn't really give him any kind of warm embrace. And then he says, like, I later in the episode, I hug who I love. Which is like, <laughs> that seems like a pretty clear admission that he doesn't love this little shit William. 
Oh my God. It's so bad. Like I know generational trauma, but it's like we watch those episodes of like what Philip did to him. And it's like, great. You didn't take him to Gordonston, but you can't <laughs> hug your child or cheer him on in his rugby match. I know you're not going to see him for like, I mean, they say till Christmas. It's got to yeah. be what, like October-ish? Yeah. It's like, like months. A, a months. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So is this, is this now William at Eaton College? Is that where we are in this I scene? How, when does Eaton, what does Eaton um, run? No, it was... Is no, Eaton? it was the Ludgrove School. Okay. I think he's still oh, too okay. young to go to Eton College. But but he's getting there because I think he's like pretty much the same, like close to the same age Charles was in that oh, episode. I feel like we'll definitely, we'll definitely see it in yeah. the next season. Yeah, we'll see some Eaton. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that was just, it was so sad. It was kind of funny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and, and so during that, uh, you know, confrontation with Diana where, where he makes that uh, loud uh, uh, declaration of the, the his lack of love for anyone other than Camilla, um, I, I will say, like, um, Charles's character aside, uh, you know, that was a, a tour de force moment for Josh O'Connor. Like, oh, the, the acting in, his episode, in this episode for, like, both him, Emma Corrin, and Olivia Coleman was, like, you know, top notch. It, it really ended the season on a high note. Yeah. Is that what he got nominated for, for the Emmy? I don't know, but I, I would, I would stake my reputation on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very good. I mean, would you stake your order of merit on it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we've seen how, th- how much that's been devalued. So sure. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Another part of this is, so even though Diana and Charles are kind of separated, Diana is still kind of tasked with kind of representing the royal family in various capacities. And one of those is this trip to New York, which she will be taking for four days. And everybody really is giving her shit about this. They're like, four days? You won't see William for four days. Like, he's at boarding school. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, hold up, hold up, hold up. What is this sudden hoopla about her being away from her kids for four days when, like, just a few years ago, they expected her to be away from them for weeks at a time (laughs) when they were at a much younger and more tender age? And meanwhile, yeah, you're right. Like, he's at boarding school now. So isn't she away from him for, like, you know, weeks at a time just as, as a norm? I thought they were making fun. Like, I feel like it's the guy who got yelled at has just been spreading this, like, you know. But he like, you know, just venom against her and all the people are like, yeah, we got to make fun of her for that. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like they will adopt whatever narrative they need to, to, to just like put her down. But they are so bad at like conveying this narrative to the public. Like whatever narrative they want to spread about Diana isn't working because everybody loves her. It's it's wild. Why is she going on this trip alone? Also, like, <laughs> well, because Charles won't go with her. Well, so like, <laughs> point, let her go, guys. Well, and one one thing I will say is like I do really like the fact that like there, uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, royal staff and uh, secretaries, there is a team Diana here. Like the, she has like a couple of like folks that are you know kind of uh, accompanying her and and acting on her behalf, and they are not taking any bullshit from like Team Charles. Yeah, yeah, but, that is sweet. Um, yeah, before Diana even leaves, Charles is like, "You going to New York is an ugly, avaricious piece of self advancement, and that she's not fit." She he tells her to her face that she's not fit psychologically to go to New York. <laughs> I mean, so in I, fairness, she isn't. Probably not. But she still has a but good like, job. But like, whose fault is that? <laughs> like, who are we blaming for that, Charles? It's just, I don't know, there's something so wild about, like, did someone not tell her to go on this trip? Did she come up with this idea herself? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I don't understand. This is official royal business. Like, uh, you know, she's like, you know, near the top of the food chain of royal family members at the moment. Like, this is part of the job, the, the job that people keep expecting her to do. And then when she does it and does it extremely well, they give her shit for it. Ivan, to your point from earlier, I did think that it was interesting to see kind of like the disparity between the number of staffers at that meeting that Charles had. He had like a full side of the table filled (laughs) out and like I think a row behind and Diana was like guy on her right, guy on her left and that was it. Yep. That's all she needed. She's got two looking out for her. It's about quality, not quantity. She's got those two guys and she has the royal chef. Um, for Edward Adeen, is this revenge for um, her yelling at him on the plane earlier this season? Ooh. I assume, yeah. 
he's been bottling it up, like her yelling at uh, him about William yeah. on the Australia tour. <laughs> who, who do you think uh, hates Diana more, Charles or Edward Adine? Ooh. I would still lean Charles, but Edward Adine, <laughs> I don't think Edward Adine is, is happy with her. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, oh f- the fact that you had to stop and think about it, though, <laughs> like what a... <laughs> Just screams volumes. I don't know when Edward Adeen retired, but I hope he had a bunch of rabble rousers afterwards. Like just a continuous line of people causing him trouble. I know. Are we sure Edward Adeen is actually not Edward Lassels? Because he has much more Tommy Lassels energy than Michael Adeen energy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So Diana goes to New York. Is this the first time we've been back in the States since Margaret's trip to the States? Maybe. Uh, Yeah, probably. And by all accounts, it was like a pretty good trip. Uh, everybody like, in New York really loved her. I don't think I've ever seen, like, I, I lived in New York for seven years. I've never seen people just like wait behind police barricades on the street to like <laughs> wave at a car as it drove by. Oh yeah. I haven't lived in New York, but I've been there half a dozen times. And I don't think I've ever seen that many happy people in New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they love her. Yeah. They love her. And she set up, she, or she sets up a tour that, um, is, very different than a, I feel like a typical royal tour because Diana, she goes to Harlem. I feel like she just visits a lot of places. Like I feel like if Liz and Phil had gone to New York, it would be like Carnegie Hall, like all these kind of like ritzy, glamorous places. Yeah. Um, Diana's not about that, and it 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 uh it gives her a lot of goodwill in the public, but Charles hates that because it makes Camilla sad. <laughs> just. But again, this raises so many questions about like who sets the agenda for what she does. Like, is it her own private secretaries? Is it, uh, you know, uh, Martin Charteris? Like, who is deciding the royal business that Diana is conducting? I mean, I suspect she got to pick a couple hospitals. I, yeah, I would suspect so too. And honestly, like, she goes to the the hospital and like the child AIDS unit, and she hugs the child and. Charles makes a comment like, oh, that was such like a headline grabber. I didn't get that sense in the moment. Like it felt I, pretty genuine to me. Like yeah, it, yeah. it was obviously a moment that grabbed headlines, but it, it did feel sincere from her, at least when I was watching it. No, I, I felt it was sincere. Well, h- hold on. That all depends on my previous question of like who sets this agenda. That's true. We don't know that. Because, I mean, if this was uh, if this was something that, like, you know, Buckingham Palace wanted Diana to go do, but didn't necessarily plan or ask her to uh, be, like, super emotive while she's there, then, uh, you know, that's then that's cool. Because this is just Diana being Diana. She's a very kind, very empathetic person. Uh, she's hu- hugging the kid. And, like, that's great. But if it is, you know, Diana herself or Team Diana that are like deliberately trying to create an agenda in a way that, you know, boosts uh, Diana's PR image, then this could have been a somewhat manufactured event. Does Diana's PR image need a boost, though? I don't think. I mean, I feel like her approval rating has got to be pretty high. Here's the problem is we don't know the context for like what she's doing that I feel like we're kind of missing here, like with all the AIDS stuff. Because they're, they kind of mentioned the stigma, but it's like, because I know she did a lot of like revolutionary for the time stuff with the stigma of AIDS. And it's like, okay, show us in the show. Like, what's the context here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. We're, we're not, we're not getting enough uh, of that here to really be able to reach any firm conclusions. But yeah, I, I think it really all d- depends on like who set all of this up. Because if it's Buckingham Palace, they have nothing to complain about. But if it's, you know, Diana and her people, then, you know, yeah, there, there could be some, you know, I- intent to boost uh, uh, Diana's Im- image to uh, what will be and I think eventually becomes a nearly unimpeachable level. Charles has the assessment of the successful New York trip that anyone could have done that. <laughs> Charles, I don't think you could have done this. He absolutely could not have done this. This fucker can't even hug his own child. Yeah, no, 100% could not. There's not a member of the royal family who could do this. Otherwise, we would have seen them do it. Like, that's the funny thing is he's like, we all could have done that. It's like, okay, you guys have been alive, like, for at least some of you guys, like, 60, 80 years. Like, where are you? Go hug a child. You've never hugged a child. You could have Have done it. Have we ever seen any royal hug anyone? Like, outside of the family? Uh, have we? 
Have we seen any royal hug someone? I mean, Elizabeth claims to love all her uh, her commonwealth, but has she hugged a single person from the commonwealth? No. No, even when that mudslide happened, right? No. <laughs> yeah, she. They probably shaken a lot of hands, and in fact, like when they're meeting with you know quote unquote commoners, they're very uh, particular about wearing gloves when they shake those hands. Like I, I can't imagine that they've ever hugged anyone. So yeah, no. and I okay, and Charles. I and I don't and I don't think it's because they they think like oh anybody can do that, but it would just like you know it would be so attention grabby. I think it's because they're just like ew normos. Yeah, but now yeah. I want to th- now I want to know if anyone has changed that. Has any royal hugged anyone since Diana? I mean, have any of them like gone on Fallon? I, I assume they would have hugged Fallon at the end. Oh God, it's a very specific reference. <laughs> Um, oh my god. Okay, but then we cut to Camilla. Rarely do we get Camilla's POV, but Camilla, we're we're led to believe watching TV, she sees random New Yorkers say, Oh, Charles is a lucky guy, and she's like, Oh, I can't do this. <laughs> That's it. I, I kinda like this. It felt like one of the only moments where like you really get the sense like Camilla is so much more emotionally mature than Charles and like so much more astute. That, like, she picked up on this reality that, like, in the end is and was true. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, yeah, she's right. And Charles was honestly, he's so selfish that he would have ignored her pain in order to be with her. I'm yeah. sorry, you made her to the other woman. Yeah, Charles, or Camilla has an interesting POV on fairy tales. She says that they can't be a fairy tale because a successful fairy tale first needs to have a victim. My question is, is this not a matter of perspective? Because, of course, after the fact, we have seen the Charles and Camilla movie. They could have been a fairy tale if they uh, had gotten married to each other in the first place. <laughs> or if he hadn't <laughs> they weren't cheated allowed with to. her. They, are, they were allowed to. He just couldn't. He didn't have the balls for it. Yeah, I mean. No, the, the, fa- fact that- the family literally thwarted their plans to do that by, like, rush marrying her with Andrew Parker Bowles. But she married like, I, him. I, <laughs> She did it. I mean, yeah, look, they were totally I think pressured somewhat into it. Against but like, her, somewhat against her wishes. But they still did it. And, then, you know, otherwise they could have, I don't know, not, they could have not had the affair. Like, there were ways that they probably could have done better optics here so in still, their situation. So you're firmly not victim, not fairy tale. I think they were <laughs> victims when they were first, like, pulled apart. But I think the fact that Camilla yeah. did get married and stayed married. And Charles did get married to someone else and stay married, and then they chose to cheat. I think that's where the yeah, moral their their, their lines. victimhood mm-hmm. is old news. It's stale. Like it's not uh, really going to uh, like you know, ga- like garner any sympathy from the public because it's like okay, yeah, that happened a long time ago. That sucks. But wait, you guys really didn't just move on and act like adults about it? Yeah, um, we get another reference to Camilla's great grandmother. Uh, having an affair with Charles's great great grandfather, which still feels just weird to me. I think it's just so funny that like I wanted, I need to know that that act like they've actually brought up this woman before, like in real life. They're like, yeah, Alice. I'd like to think that they're both reincarnations of those ancestors. <laughs> oh my god, they wish they just have two wildly different takeaways. Charles is like, yeah, but. You know, even though my or your great grandmother was my great great grandfather's mistress, he always loved her. Leave this to me. I'll go berate Diana. <laughs> and then he just goes. <laughs> and He's just basically does just that. I feel like Camilla needs at some point to be like, dude, stop. Like All right. Should we talk about what went down at Sandringham? Yes. Let's do it. That um, was the, just the the little moment of Elizabeth being like, I'm sorry, Diana. I have to go feed the dogs. I can't talk to you. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what's funny is like in that moment, you, you're, you're just like, wow, Elizabeth just like, she's not warm toward anyone. And then there's the scene with her and the dogs and she could not be like more joyous and, and happy and loving toward them. She could, she really could have just lived her life with like 40 dogs and, you know, 30 horses. horses. And she would have been the happiest person in England. Yes. Diana clearly had the wrong move. She needed to do what Charles did, like hide in the closet basically for her to come into a room oh and my pop God. out like surprise that's the two personalities here are you the kind of person who would like very sheepishly try to intercept someone in a hallway or would you go sit in their room until they show up 
also like has no one in like the past like decade told Diana like you need to just cut it out with this mama nonsense like that's not going to go <laughs> oh, over she's, well she's ever. gonna keep trying where's her where's her real mom no one knows yeah never seen her uh real parents anywhere they really need to bring those where are they the sister is just gone sister's gone mom's gone dad's gone and those friends that she had in the flat like <laughs> they're gone they're gone like i don't know she doesn't hang out with anybody all she has is um the public william and harry and her two people and the chef okay um but charles is like mommy we need to talk <laughs> <laughs> i hate when like whoa whoa wait hold on say mommy wait. or mummy <laughs> wait was that a recording from the episode or no, was that, that was you me. sam that was me <laughs> And Diana or and Liz is like, fine, you know what? Fine, we can talk, but let's do it standing so we won't be talking for very long. She hates her son so much. <laughs> like that is just such a just a cruel way to start that conversation. Basically, like before we even begin, I just want you to know that I don't have time for this. And Charles is suffering, and Liz immediately cuts him off and is like, <laughs> no, not suffering. Incorrect assessment. And then she just berates him for like a minute. I look like that yeah. Was, I mean, this was that was the this was one of the moments. best Elizabeth moments <laughs> yeah, of the really entire was. series. She basically just says like, "Look, we're all just a bunch of privileged assholes. Like our problems are not real problems, and what you two are complaining about is complete bullshit. Get it together, act your age, move on, and don't ever bring this up again." It was it's incredible. So good. It was a hilarious moment, but this was one of the moments that I was like, okay, this is like a play. Like I mean, <laughs> oh sure. Sure, but it was so satisfying. Like do I think that Elizabeth had that much self-awareness IRL? I don't know. Like would Elizabeth yeah. ever like in an argument with her son admit like we are privileged people? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think another thing that uh I really liked about this probably fictional moment <laughs> is that uh, much, well, well, not exactly like me because I, I do think, I, okay, so I have, uh, I look down upon both Charles and Diana for different reasons. I probably have like a little bit more contempt for Charles than Diana. Um, but in the case of Elizabeth, she like hates them both seemingly <laughs> equally. And I, I find something so delightful about that. Oh my god. I, I got that she hated Charles a little more just by the like, oh, you're flaunting your mistress in public with no regard for trying to hide her. That he didn't she didn't say about Diana, but no, it's pretty equal. It was really funny. But you know, like I think in a way, uh, by Elizabeth by just kind of like uh shooing Diana away and saying, I don't have time for this right now, no, she was just... kind of sparing her from like this same conversation. <laughs> yeah. Like because yeah. she knew that like, you know, no good was gonna come out of that. Like she would basically have to like send diana back to her room crying yeah and she you know she knows that diana's a lot more emotionally fragile than charles but with charles like she had no reservations about yeah, putting know. him in oh, his place and i loved it it was yeah. great yeah. just saving it for the person who can take it a little bit better i think diana wound liz up a little bit at least in this scene like yeah. having... she absolutely did <laughs> like when, when when charles came in and like elizabeth is like both of you yeah liz comes in already at like a five <laughs> Oh, it's so funny. And then the final scene, really, of the season is a scene between Philip and Diana. And I don't know that we've really seen them interact since that first scene in the Balmoral test. Yeah. So I liked seeing them together. Phil has this weird soft spot for Diana on this show. And he's like, you know, it's not as bad as it seems. It'll get better. And Diana's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I said this the part where she's like, this might have worked like a couple years ago, but you're too late. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, and then Phil is like, oh, we're very different. <laughs> <laughs> the way that, you know, that man, you cheated on your wife. It was <laughs> He he had good intentions he going did. into that conversation. Uh, I don't think he was there to do anything to upset or hurt her it was you know like a a gentle combination of you know consolation and just trying to kind of give her a bit of a reality check um but yeah i think she has been just too burned by this family to take any solace in it 
Uh, and the sad part is if he had done this from the very beginning and like kept coming in and being like, you know, like I'm here for you. Like I know what you're going through. Like everyone thinks Charles is insane. If he had done that consistently, she probably would have been in a better place. Yeah. Like if every time Diana kind of like asked for an audience with Liz, if Philip had, you know, some of those times yeah. been able to be like, okay, like Liz is unavailable, but like, what do you need? Which which raises the question, like, did Diana ever try to seek that audience out with Philip instead? Because she might have, like, gotten better been more results. Open to it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Like, all of his own kids reach out to him more than Elizabeth. Yeah, by, like, damn. She just didn't, it's, yeah. she didn't know. Where was the, Philip reaches out to all his children and then includes Diana. Oh, my fanfic. Like, I mean, th- this would have been the decade to, like, do that with Philip. Like, he seems very, like, kind of, like, uh, emotionally stable and mature and well-adjusted at this uh, kind of stage in his life. And he he probably could have, like, been to Diana what, like, Dickie was to Charles. Yeah. It's it, it's mm-hmm. sad. Like Yeah. Ugh. Um, He does admit in this conversation that he does think, and everybody thinks, that Charles is a nutcase. <laughs> yes, which is yeah, also great. Like I, I, I love that this family is now at a stage where they're just like openly shitting on each other. <laughs> it's only gonna get worse from here. Diana threatens to break away, and then Phil complete tone change. He's like, "Don't do that." Didn't he wanted to. <laughs> it do will that? end poorly. <laughs> Wait, did he which, try to like, do that once? Like, why did like? Yeah, like it sounded like he was threatening her. It did. But then, and then he didn't say anything to dispel that notion. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, why didn't we get the horror version of like this interaction? This was so much more like emotionally scarred. That feels like a fan fiction waiting to be written, Carly. Well, that should have been what Spencer was. Like, no one threatened Kristen Stewart, Diana. My God. Well, well, it is also like this reminds me like we're asking questions like, oh, why didn't Diana come to Charles or come to Philip sooner? Why? Why? Why not this? Why not that? It's probably because almost nothing in this episode actually happened yeah. in real life. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably not. How did we like uh, the way that this episode kind of concludes with Philip basically saying every member here is an outsider? And then they flash to like each member of the family just kind of like doing their own thing. But like in a sad that way. That was... That was like such a, I think, like terrible directorial choice because you could have easily cut to those characters like downstairs, just kind of like enjoying the party and maybe just kind of like looking temporarily wistful for a moment. But instead, they used archive footage from like past (laughs) episodes and past seasons, which was like not something that the show has ever done. And it felt very jarring. Yeah, I didn't like it either. No, it was weird. And it just made me more mad because it felt like this was like the show trying to be like, oh, goodbye, Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> well, but but that that shot they used of Helena Bonham Carter, it almost like it made it feel like she had like already like quit the show and they needed to use like past footage of her to like c- complete her storyline. Ivan, mean, was it a Helena Bonham Carter hologram? <laughs> oh, my God. It, very well might have been uh but yeah like uh, we had helena bonham carter's like kind of final like meaningful appearance like three episodes ago in the hereditary principle right yeah and then everything beyond that has just been like you know part of a montage of her like reacting some news to you know in the newspaper to something that happened to one of the the central characters yeah what a what a weird like choice to have you know (laughs) helena bonham carter of all people and then just not give her any kind of meaningful send-off here in the series finale oh man yeah yeah um and that's really it i think on the finale that closes us out here on season four this is it this is the last olivia coleman this is the last tobias menzies we get i think they did a pretty good job (laughs) <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> like i think they did a great job yeah like, yeah i thought they did a great job well do you but did they overall do a better job than the first group well i think it's just different characters like this was a more subdued version so it's like they're not gonna have as many moments like shine as claire foy and matt smith were gonna get i think claire foy definitely ha- like the material that she had to work with lended itself to her shining more than olivia coleman did just because i think a lot of Olivia Coleman's like scenes required a bit more of an understated delivery. Um, 
Whereas like Claire Foy, I think like I mean like she literally threw a tennis racket. Like I don't think Olivia Coleman ever got an opportunity to do anything like that. Um, looking back at these two seasons, I feel like fifty percent of Olivia Coleman's acting was just her looking out a window. Yes, <laughs> I mean, so exactly. Yeah, they didn't give her yeah. again. It's it's the it's the material. Like, yeah. but I mean, if we had like more scenes like the one where she's chewing out Charles, then like we we might be having a different conversation right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. But I think Tobias Menzies, like in the end, uh, especially like I would say even more so this season than last one, his uh, his just like scenery chewing was so great. Yeah. Like, no, like especially like in this season, every time uh, he showed up on screen, I was like, all right, all right, <laughs> let's see what Philip's got to say. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so we're getting a new cast of characters here next time we visit the crown. We get uh, Imelda Staunton as Queen Elizabeth. Looking uh, forward to it. Yeah, which I'm excited for. Dominic West, right, as Charles. Yeah. Elizabeth Debicki. Too handsome. Too <laughs> handsome. Yeah. Yes, like at this stage in his life, Charles has like resting grump face and Dominic West, like even, like I saw the trailer for season five that just dropped and he is like almost like straining to look unhappy because I feel like Dominic West is just like a very like, handsome and pleasant looking fellow and and i think he's gonna have to do some real work to be like a convincing like miserable grump like charles is yeah that's an interesting assessment because i feel like looking at kind of like this cast versus next cast side by side like i can see like the josh o'connor to dominic west trajectory more so than like any i think of the other characters well, it's interesting because i think the diana one was really well done like elizabeth is it to or to becky how do you pronounce her name uh the Biki. Great. <laughs> Killian. <laughs> that one that one feels like very natural to me. And in fact, I think that Elizabeth Debicki looks a little bit more like Diana. So I, I like that one. Um Dominic West, yeah, he's and then like Josh O'Connor and him have such different features. They're just like, all right. Uh Jonathan Price. Oh, I'm excited for that. He Yeah. They look like Jonathan Price is a great actor, but he does He'll be look good. like he's He'll be good. a little bit. That's good. I, I'm sure they'll be good. Like really my only chief complaint right now is that I think like Dominic West is a handsome motherfucker and like I <laughs> don't think Charles is. <laughs> yeah. So Is Margaret going to be in this season? Margaret is. Margaret will be played yes. by Leslie Manville. Okay. Hmm. And I think and we spotted Timothy Dalton in the trailer dancing with her. It's going to be good. I, I'm very curious to see if they actually end up using Bittersweet Symphony at some point in the season. <laughs> Shall we talk about this final Kinky Crown Award for season four? Uh, yeah. Yes. I, I Can I start? That. Yeah, go ahead. You may. All right. Uh, I will nominate uh, the part where Margaret Thatcher is talking about uh, all those little men and they expect <laughs> me to get on my knees for them. Yes. That's good. And then, Ivan, not only that, she wants them brought in one by one. <laughs> okay. I don't know should, how should we com combine that. that into one? I think that's all the same thing. Yeah. Well, okay. Do we even bother voting or, no, or should we just that, dissolve Parliament right now well, and I declare one, that the oh, winner? You had more. I, I had one more um, line, and it was. Um, <laughs> It was Queen Elizabeth saying, uh, let's do it on our feet to keep it brief. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I'll probably vote for Thatcher. I'll vote for Thatcher. I think it's a Thatcher for sure. I would like to specifically vote against your nomination. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fine. I do feel like now that we are getting a young, Eliz or a young uh, William... And a young Kate. Season five might be kinky. Like this oh, overall, we'll not a very kinky season. No. We'll see. I mean, yeah, because a lot of the characters are getting to kind of an advanced age. Um, and yeah, it we'd re we're really going to need like the younger generation to take center stage if we if we hope to have good kinky crown award fodder these next two seasons. Or maybe Philip we'll will just surprise us. Oh, God. I don't know if I want that from he Jonathan has his weird. He has his weird little <laughs> friend now. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, the name escapes me, but uh, yeah, that could be something. So we have two options here. <laughs> All right. Closing thoughts here on season four. I really liked it. Loved it. It was great. Fantastic okay. acting all around. I Lots think of drama. Uh, season four probably was lighter on filler than any of the previous seasons. Um, 
I mean, so you open up with like basically a three-parter that's all about like, you know, Charles and Diana meeting and leading up to the wedding. You have like, you know, maybe you have the episode where uh, uh, Elizabeth is meeting with all her kids. You have the Fagan episode, which is like, probably the only filler episode, but also really, really good. You have Tara uh, Nullius. Uh, that was great. Hereditary Principle, kind of filler, but it was also really the only uh, proper Margaret episode. You have 48 to 1. That was a killer. You had Avalanche. I, I and then still this stand one. by the fact that 48 to 1 was the best episode of the season. Now that we've seen the final two episodes, 48 to 1 is still the best episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think you can make a strong case for it. Um I would, yeah, Carlin, what about you? What what was your favorite episode this season? Um, I don't remember what it was called. It was the one where Charles left Diana to go on his trip when they just got engaged. Um, oh, uh, would that have been fairy tale where yeah, she was, was that, like locked up in the palace and yeah, going yeah, through I like, all I like of her training? Yeah. Oh, I just okay, made the connection. Yeah, that, yeah I didn't really, I forgot that there was an episode called fairy tale, which, which like juxtaposes what Camilla said about fairy tales in this episode. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I think I still, I, I don't think that it was like the biggest spectacle of all the episodes, but I still really liked favorites. I still liked seeing like Elizabeth, like meeting with all four of her children and just the contrast between them. Uh, I do like 48 to one a lot. Uh, but I do think a lot of that rides on the scene of, uh, Charles calling Andrew a fringe member of the family. Cause I think that, that to me was like, like, in isolation, the best scene of the entire season. You know, that was so great. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so all in all, in all uh, re- really good season. Um, yeah, the, the crown just continues to deliver, and I really look forward to seeing what we get here in the coming weeks. Yes. Um, so at this point in time, we have no information about... The first episode of The Crown, season five, other than the fact that it will be available on Netflix on November 9th, 2022. We don't, we have not seen the episode yet. Um, so we'll be watching it when it releases with everybody else. Uh, we'll be recapping them, the season five episodes, I think, on a weekly basis still, uh, even though it'll all be available at once. I am going to try and not look ahead. You know, I, I will commit to podcasting after watching each episode. But Ivan and Carlin, I know you might not be able to wait. No. <laughs> I make no such commitment. <laughs> no, not going to happen. Okay. But we will be uh, back with season five, the first episode of season five, or recap of that, uh, the Thursday after the episodes are released on Netflix. So I guess that would be mid-November. Yeah. Mid-November. That would, that would be the uh, 17th. Uh, We will be back and we'll be talking about the crown season five, episode one. Dragonstone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That is, that is, yes, that's absolutely the title. I I'm surprised I'm I'm proud of us. Like when we started this, we were like, let's let's catch up before we hit season five, and that was like a year and a half ago, more than a year and a half ago. Longer. And, we, and we I think it, the yeah. idea for this podcast uh, was born in uh, December of 2020. Uh, so yeah, we have come a very long way. Yeah, we've covered a lot of ground, and like at the beginning, we Ivan, uh, to your point earlier, we may not have been royal experts, but I feel like we've actually learned a lot. Yeah, I actually feel like I know more about them than they know about themselves at this point <laughs> i agree so i'm excited to continue on this journey with you both i think that's all we've got ivan if people want to catch up with you on social media about the crown if they want to see any thoughts that you might have about the new season where can they do that uh i am at ivan vukovic on twitter uh same with instagram uh or you can just hit me up at uh uh, Edward Adine Lover uh, 1990 at yahoo.com. All right. Carlin, what about you? Um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E. All right. And I'm on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach us for any podcast related news is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. And that's really all we got for you. Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you soon. 
and God save the queen. God, God save, save the, the queen. queen.